are listening to an Atomic Broadcasting production. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the feature presentation. And remember, do your part, such as like, comment, rate, and don't forget to tell a friend to tune in for an Atomic Time. We begin on a black screen. We see text. Eight months earlier. Two tankards of ale clash against each other in front of the screen, and there's the uproarious sound of a crowd enjoying themselves after a night's hard work. Ting, ting. The camera pulls back, and we see a tavern full of common, ordinary folk who live an honest and simple life. The door to the tavern opens and a blizzarding wind of snow blows in along with a young woman. Sam, would you like to describe your character? Yes. So you see an armored woman. She stands about six foot two. She's wearing like this full plate and a helmet right now. All of it is adorned in like the regalia of Shailin, the goddess of love and creation and art. It is also embellished with um, these raven-like designs that are molded in black across the armor. And her helmet is shaped like that of like a raven's head. Vaguely, just like faintly. It's not like, well, a raven's head, but it's got kind of the beak to it and a little bit of the feathery design to it. But as she gets in and starts maybe looking for a place to sit, uh, she takes off her helmet and you see her kind of mediumish, shortish, blonde, curly hair. You see on her face, she's got um, some paint. So what she would call war paint. It's painted in like this black and purple. It's kind of like galaxy-ish looking color scheme to it. Over her right eye is this arc of feathers that go along from like the bottom middle to the right edge of her eye and they stick out a few inches. Over her left, there's this vague hints with the war paint to like kind of look like her skeletal features are showing. So if you get like a quick, quick glance at her, you might think that part of her face is a skeleton. But you look again, you're like, ah, oh, it's just a couple of little painted spots. Um, so she begins kind of just looking around, get her bearings for a minute. And as she's looking around, kind of just getting her bearings, the proprietor of the establishment, a fat, jolly-looking barkeep, is just like, Hello! Can I get you anything? Oh, I don't think so. You're you're Stan, correct? I think I'm here to help you with the job. Oh, and he kind of, like, looks you up and down for a minute, but then kind of takes stock of the armor and all that you're equipped with, and he's like, I, I do have a job. Why don't you come up to the bar? I'll, I'll get you a drink and we can talk it over. Oh, uh, well, I don't, I don't really like to drink before I start a job. Walking outside in this blistering cold, you don't want something to warm you up? Oh, I've got plenty that keeps me warm. All right, we're fine. Have it your way. Let's, uh, let's have a seat down over here. And he leads you over to a table that only has one guy at it, but he kind of shoes him off so you can have a conversation there. So, this job, he says as you sit down, it's it's a bit personal, but uh, I'm going to pay well. I've got seven gold pieces in it for you. Oh, that sounds great. Um, I'm sure I'm sure he could use the money. Uh, he? Oh, sorry, just a f- friend of mine who I'm helping, who sent me out here. Right, right. 
And he told you about how this isn't the first time this job's been attempted, right? No, I don't think so. He he often leaves stuff like that out. Um, so no, I don't think he told me anything like that. At least I wasn't listening if he did. Right, so here's the rundown. Outside of town, there's an old barrow said to house one of the great heroes of the past, uh, staved off some world-ending calamity or other. Uh, there's a bit of a, a bit of a rivalry amongst the kids in this area. They like to dare each other to, you know, oh, go five steps into the barrow, bet you won't do it, that sort of thing. Well, a few years back, my son, he... Don't know what came over him, but he went in further than any of the other kids ever do, and well, he didn't come back out again. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it's, I appreciate that. Now, what I'm after now is just bringing him back. You know, he's he's gone, but I'd like to give him a proper burial. I'd I'd hired a few adventurers to go in and do this job before and well one of them never came back and the other two that I tried they they quit halfway through said it was too dangerous they weren't even going to try any further oh, that's right unfortunate so if you're up to the job I've got the gold for you I with the blessings of Phrasma I'll move in there and I'll find your boy right just uh, don't go dying. Don't go dying in there. Oh, I don't intend to. Right. Now, if if you're not wanting a drink, I'm I'm gonna get one for myself. Aye, you should do that. I'll be back not too much longer. Right. You're going tonight. May as well. Right. Early bird. Well, that's not a good phrase to use at the moment. It's kind of light. <clears throat> Might as well. I don't got anything else to do. Right, well. Unless there's creatures in there that are weak to sunlight, but... I wouldn't right now. I don't imagine inside a barrow it would really matter. So, I'm feeling well rested and blessed. So I feel right in my head to go on out there and deal with this. Well then, you take care of yourself. I... You as well. May you may you be blessed tonight. The blessings of Shailen and Phrasma to have peace and joy. You some kind of a priest? Some kind. I'm a Shailenite by choice, and a Phrasmite by order. Right. Well. May your gods be with you then. Thank you. And then uh, she'll hop up. And she'll make her way outside. And as you step back out into the blistering cold and the wind blustering by, a small figure just like pokes its head up out of the wood pile outside of the door. And he's like, Well, did you get the job? Aye, I've got the job. I'm on my way there right now. All right, ready, okay, I'm ready. And this small figure that's just like this misshapen form 
just pulls itself out of the wood pile. He is about three feet tall. His head is mostly just one big eye. His arms and legs are various length, and one of them is like short and useless. The other one's just like super long and gangly. He's covered in like patchwork, baggy, misshapen robes, and his skin is all like dark, almost like burnt, but has like a glisten to it as if it might be kind of uh, Mufasa. Ugh, you're gonna poke your eye out, Cornelius. Right. <sighs> it's cold out. Do we have to go tonight? I'd rather get this going now. I mean, why wait? Fine, fine. He pulls his robe a little bit closer and he's like, <sighs> Barrow's just up the hill there and starts trudging off through the snow. Do you need me to carry you? No, no. Save your strength. All right. Off we go. We'll play us a tune. And she pulls out her little travel drums and starts drumming along as they move up. And the sound is almost swallowed up in the wind of the night, but you can still, you know, hear the drums and it gives you a bit of inspiration, a bit of courage, not enough to give a mechanical effect. Not yet, anyway. (laughs) And before long, the two of you have arrived at the entrance to the barrow half shrouded in a bank of snow that's collected in the breezes overnight, but still open and ominous still open and ominous in its dark entrance to who knows what. It feels a little wrong, you know? Going into the barrows? Why? Well, the resting places, you know? Blessed by phrasma, and yet they've been tainted so in a way, I guess it's my duty to go in there. But on the other hand, it feels disrespectful. I like to think of it as a rat catcher entering a church. I've done my fair share of rat catching. Right. Although something tells me this job's going to have something a little bigger than a rat. Probably. Unlike that lady's basement a few weeks back. Hey, every adventure has to start somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, ladies first. Ah, ever the gentleman, Cornelius. I jest, I jest, he says, but he follows you in. (laughs) So as she steps into the barrows, which I assume are very dark. Pitch dark. um, Through the helmet she's wearing, you can see this little, like yellowy glow coming from around her eyes and she seems to be looking around as if she can see everything in the darkness. Cornelius is moving a few steps behind as though he can see very little in the darkness. Ach, do you need a torch, Cornelius? Uh, If you think it wouldn't be too risky. Well, I might need my hands. Can you hold it? Oh, of course, of course. And he Rumble, ruffles, rumbles, shot. Rough it, roughy. Rough. He he feels around in his robe and pearl rummages. He rummages, he rummages around in his robe, and he pulls out a torch that's almost as long as he is tall. Somehow from his robes, and begins working on getting it lit. Ah, like this, and she starts a fire like immediately and lights the torch. Ah, of course, yes. Uh, quite a talent of yours you have there. Well. I hate to say it, Cornelius, but you struggle with things like this, and it's not your fault. 
much. I'm sorry. I just pointing it out, I guess. Well, that's why I like to help if I can. And and I appreciate it. It's just uh, sometimes we old men like to do things for ourselves. Oh, right. The old part. I'm pretty old. That's right. How old are you? Pretty old. Okay. That's what I thought you'd say. So, um, say so you don't know which way we're going, do you? I would imagine it's probably in the deepest, darkest, scariest part. Does it always have to be? Well, it's the part nobody ever comes back from. Well, all right, then. Let's go on, then. I think this way. She'll start heading to the left. So, using your dark vision and the light cast from Cornelius's torch, you can kind of see that the road branches off. Well, the, the barrow kind of branches off, and it seems to be a little bit more grandiose than you might have expected for a barrow in a small town like this. It's like multiple chambers. There's coffins and crypts in the walls here and there. It almost seems like there was a group that was buried here and not just a single person or a single family. Mm. And it seems like they might all have been interred around the same time. Uh, but as you'd mentioned, you do kind of branch off and you take the leftward path deeper into the, the barrows. And shortly come into a small atrium. Uh, Cornelius, do you know anything about the Pedros and who is buried here? I know that the primary person buried here was a great warrior from a battle long ago. Uh, I wonder if all these people are his men. That is my presumption. Seems like maybe these were all the warriors who fell in combat at his side. Mm, soldiers. Let's pray that they were good men. Cornelius doesn't respond with words, but just kind of nods and seems to be mostly lost in thought. And as you proceed deeper into the barrow, make a perception check. Oh, okay. First roll for me. Well, I rolled a 22. Nice. So as you're going down this path, there's the faintest of clicks, and you feel the floor beneath you sink down a tad. Uh, take a step to the side and back. And you do so just in time for a set of spears to just jab out of the side of the wall and swoosh through the air right where you would have been standing if you hadn't moved. Ah, uh, I wasn't... Golly, I wasn't expecting that in a place like this. Cornelius is like, oh, they, they must have, there must be something of great importance or value buried with this warrior that they would have trapped this. I mean, they would have been, they must have been expecting someone to try to come and raid this tomb. Um, she's going to turn and look to where those spears hit, looking to see like maybe if the body was there or if someone had died to those spears before, because if kids come in. So the spears, it's one of those traps that's like, you know, video game trap is it like stabs out and then like slowly like ratchets itself back in. Oh, okay. And looking at the spears, you can see it looks like they may have hit things in the past and there's like some dried blood on one of the shafts of the spears, but there don't seem to be like any bodies in the area. But they're coming back like with rope pulling back. Yeah. Like it looks like the trap is resetting itself. Can she just like cut them so they don't reset? Yeah. 
So she pulls out her axe and just slinks down at them to keep them from resetting. Nice. So now they're just kind of sitting vaguely halfway out in the hall. All right, Cornelius, maybe hold back a bit just in case something else happens. Right. I'll take up the rear guard, and he stands a few feet behind you. Well, you have some spears if you need them. Yep, and he reaches into his robe again and pulls out a spear that's a little bit longer than he is tall. (laughs) All right, and then she's going to continue onward. As you get deeper in, the surroundings get less and less disturbed. There's less rubble, less like stuff broken, and it's just more and more just layers of dust and cobwebs until eventually you reach a room that appears to be at the back of this entire crypt and set of catacombs. It's a large room with like statuary lining the walls, and at the back is like a crypt. Well, like a coffin? Yeah, like a sarcophagus, a coffin, that kind of like Mm. a spot where a body would be interred. Interesting. This room looks like it's barely been uh, entered at all. Although near that coffin at the back of the room, you do see what appears to be a skeleton dressed in completely tattered and ruined like clothing. Ugh. She'll start moving in and when she gets next to one of those statues, she's going to kind of look at it. Does it have like any markings on it like to signify what they might have been make a society check oh i think i'm trained in society she's actually trained in almost everything surprisingly enough wow Uh, 15 yeah you're not entirely sure it does seem to be statuary of like wolf and warriors but you're having trouble placing like the period of like what the design of the armaments armaments are or like who they may have fought for but they're definitely like wolf and warriors all right so she's gonna move up to where she thinks she, the boy's body is well keeping an eye on that sarcophagus just in case as you approach the skeletal body it does become apparent that it's like it was a younger man you know you're you're a um you're a forensic expert, and you can identify skeletons on site. Ah, yes. <laughs> and it looks like he was wearing some sort of, like, chain hauberk that has survived the ravages of time. And there's, like, a glaive that's leaning up against the wall next to the skeleton. But most everything else on its on, on his person has rotted away over time. Huh. Well, I think this is him, Cornelius. Cornelius, as opposed to previously in the crypt, is actually standing a little bit further back than he has been, and he's holding his torch and just kind of looking around the room. This place gives me an uneasy feeling. Oh, you think it gives you an uneasy feeling? What do you think I feel about it? It's almost like it was too easy to get this far in. Just a pair of traps to keep wanderers out. Perhaps let's finish what we need to do and get out quickly. All right. Real quick, before I 
do that? Can I look around the room and roll like a religion check f for like something related to Phrasma? Kind of just to get a vibe check of the place, <laughs> if that makes sense. Sure. Go ahead and make a religion check. Okay. 26. So your vibe check. I could use Boneyard Lore if that would help. Not in this specific instance, I don't think. Um, but your vibe check results in, you know, you feel uneasy, as any person would in this situation. But the vibes that you're getting is that it's like there's something off. There's like a malevolent energy about this place. And you definitely feel like something is watching you. And as you're looking around the room, you notice that surrounding the like coffin area at the back, the dust is much thinner than the rest of the room. Ah, I see. Cornelius, maybe take a few more steps back. Uh, gladly, yes. Yes, of course. I don't want to get too much light on your work. She's going to pick up like a little rock and toss it at the sarcophagus. <laughs> and as you do so, there's like this clatter, clatter, and it just echoes, echoes through the whole chamber. And after just a heartbeat of a pause... There's the sound of stone grinding on stone as the lid of the sarcophagus moves to the side. Ah, uh, well, I can see why Phrasma wanted me here. And as you remark upon that, this papery thin, just like gaunt figure pulls itself up out of the, the coffin. It's like spindly gray hair just hanging down from its baleful face and it clutches a Viking-style longsword in one hand, and in its other hand, it's wearing, like, this ornate dark metal gauntlet. Roll for initiative. Oh, all right. Here, I could have just left. <laughs> Natural 20. Ooh. So 28. Unless it's religion, in which case it's 30. <laughs> I'll allow religion. Oh, then it's a 30. Because you were, like, just vibe-checking the room for undead. Gotta check them vibes. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> All right, so with your 34 initiative, you will go first. Oh, he's, like, right next to me. Yes. Cool. Then she's got something she's gonna do. She lifts up her battle axe, kind of steadying herself, but, like, pointing her axe at him and saying a quick prayer to Phrasma. And to Shaylin, and it starts to glow as this uh, sunlight bursts from my battle axe. Um, and I'm going to make an attack roll with my focus spell, Sunblade. Nice. That is an 18. That's a hit. Oh. So this will deal 1d4 fire damage. If the target's evil, it does 1d4 good damage. It is. If the target's undead, it deals 1d4 positive damage as well. It is. So that'll be 3d4. Wait. Heighten plus 1. It's a can it's a level 2. So level 3. So it's mm -hmm. actually 2d4, 2d4, 2d4. I don't have enough. Let me get some d4s out of my tin. <laughs> so the fire damage. Let's get this going. Is 7 points of fire damage. Four points of good damage. And five points of positive damage. If I were in the sunlight, these would be D6s. Oof. It's a good thing 
You didn't wait until morning. <laughs> you could have brought the sun in with you. And then, with my axe, I'll just swing down at him. All right. And does that take a multi-attack penalty from not. the sunblade? Interesting. So, oh, with natural one. <laughs> so she's got that blade, and she's feeling really confident. And as she steps forward kind of with her axe, she realizes how much she isn't really confident with fighting with this. And she slips and falls prone. Ooh. And that is the end of her turn. <laughs> Cornelius, I... This isn't... Ah, sorry, Cornelius. I know you've been working on my footwork. Uh, you'll you'll get it next time. Just stay strong and watch out for that sword. He says what? as this creature just brings its sword down on you. With a 16. That does not hit me. Wow. So he swings down, and I imagine that it, like, clatters against your axe that you kind of hold up and just, yeah. like, ah. bear it. You know, bear it off. And he swings down again for another blow for a 21. That does not hit. That is one below my prone AC. And his second attack hits your axe. And you hear the sound of, like, wood beginning to splinter as he brings his sword up for one more attack. Oh, she mutters, oh, for asthma, be praised. This time, the sword swings down. It kind of swings wide. And it's a good thing it does because the sword hits the axe and the shaft of the axe just like splinters in two, but the sword just like clatters against the stone on the ground instead of hitting you. Ah, that was my favorite axe. This creature brings its sword up again, like it's intending to swing again, but before you or the creature have any chance to do anything, there's a blur of movement out of the corner of your eye. It looks like maybe like a bird, and you can't make up your mind if it's like, a raven or like a multicolored like songbird or something, but it just like flies like a shot into the room, flutters up against the wall behind you wildly, like, you know, like if a bird was like flying at a window and suddenly finds out it's a window and it knocks the glaive that's leaning on the wall and it begins to fall in your direction. Oh, can I just grab it? Yes. Uh, so she'll reach out to try and grab it. And the way that the glaive falls, it almost, almost feels as though someone were just tossing it to you. Because as you hold up your hands, it just like lands perfectly in your hands. And you're able to just grab onto it, ready to fight. And it is your turn. So she grabs the glaive and then kind of tries to roll up. Well, she does so, so she can get back on her feet with an action. And then she's going to swing with her glaive. All right. It's another natural one. <laughs> See what happens. What a debut. It works for her. Yeah. So she swings forward with this new weapon and kind of overslings. And so she's just left wide open. So she's still flat footed <laughs> till the end of her next turn. And with oh. my last action, I will attack once more. 19. That's a hit. Okay. So she starts just swinging kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? She swings kind of willy-nilly. Yeah. Makes sense. You just picked this weapon up. Yeah. So she's swinging, trying to hit something, and she does 12 plus 16 points of damage. And it looks like you have cleaved through the bulk of this creature's vitality, fortitude. It's starting to kind of waver on its feet, but it still has enough strength that it brings its sword back around for another swing. Oh, boy. 
still flat-footed. 25. That is a hit. In that case, you take 11 slashing damage. Oof. And then no, I need a fortitude save. Well, I'm really good at that, so that's a positive here, but my rolls are kind of crappy. 14. That was a three on the die. And as the blade like slices through and it finds a gap in your armor, you feel like the physical pain of the blade cutting you, but then you also just kind of feel like just this emptiness creeping into you from the blade at the same time as this creature seems to be like gaining strength off of it. Uh, you become drained one. I don't like that. All right. Drained, I take a constitution penalty. Yes. Like to things such as fortitude saves. That's great. I love it. And then this creature kind of like leans back a little bit, not so much as to like move its space, but just like not aggressively pushing anymore. And it just starts like intoning just like this. And I'm going to need you to make a will save. A will save? Okay. 24. You succeed. Which means just this chilling sound of this creature just like chanting and echoing off of the walls of this chamber. You're frightened one, but no further penalties. My gosh, quit giving me all these conditions. Cornelius is frightened too. I don't care about Cornelius. Cornelius is like, kill it, kill it, kill it. And it is your turn. So as this relic begins to kind of glow faintly around where her feathers are on her face, the ink kind of starts moving in like small dots, little crackles, and they start coming, coming, kind of flowing off of her as they start like forming around the weapon as these, um, a lot of like little black with like yellow outlined dots start forming and kind of like they're a uh, liquid floating in like a gravityless area. These are called Kirby crackles for the initiated. <laughs> <laughs> and she strikes forward with it as all these crackles start flowing off of her. Let's make this cool, shall we? That's an 18. That hits. So she's using an ability she gained from her relic um, called Divine Retribution, meaning she deals an additional damage die on a hit, and if the target is evil, they will also become Enfeebled 1, which I imagine it is Enfeebled at this time. It is. So instead of 2d8, she will do 3d8 damage. Ah, uh, which is quite lovely. That's another 16 points of damage, and that was two actions for her to do. And then for her last action, uh, she shall... Oh, I'm going to try this. She's going to... Her hand begins having those crackles expand out of her gauntlet, and she reaches out to touch it, and it needs to make a fortitude save. Ooh. DC 19. I got a 12. Ah, sweet. So that will be 3d6 um, positive damage as she's using lay on hands on the enemy. Nice. So for those of you who don't know at this point, her class is that of the champion, a divine warrior who can pull on some divine spells based on the deities they serve. That's 16 again. Just it was a six six four on the dice, no bonus. 
They also take a minus two penalty to AC for one round. See, that minus two penalty is not going to be relevant for this guy. Oh? Would you like to describe what it looks like as your character cleaves him with her glaive and then lays on hands to finish this fiend? Yes. As her gauntlet begins to have all those crackles forming off of it, and she reaches out and touches it right in the head and says, Phrasma's judgment shall come upon ye again. And she just crushes the skull as this like divine light just shines out in almost like a explosive blast. And as that happens, the like malevolent glow in this creature's eye sockets just dims and sputters out. And that ominous feeling of just like a presence just fades as this just shriveled corpse just collapses to the ground, inert, and finally at peace. Okay. She, she she's breathing hard and takes a look around from the explosion of light. All those crackles of like those gravityless like blots of black are just floating around in like a circle around just the whole area as if it's like a net around the place. And as she like starts calming down, they all just kind of start plopping down to the ground and disappearing. And as this is happening, Cornelius just kind of comes up and he's like, that, that was amazing. I am. I've never seen you fight like that before. Ah, uh, <laughs> that was, that was amazing. I, I feel like there's still something wrong with me. Like, I'm, have a disease or something. <laughs> How long does this effect affect me from the slice? Um, <laughs> until you, until you rest. Okay. Ha, huh, that was, I feel... I feel closer to, to uh, Phrasma than I ever have before. That was... In a good way or a bad way? A good way. A good oh, okay. way. Good, um, good. Well, <laughs> I'm also bleeding. So, maybe in both ways. Do you, do you see that bird? Bird? He looks around. There doesn't seem to be a bird in here. Oh, there was a raven. Not, not long ago, just right over there. It passed me the glaive. Cornelius suddenly looks inordinately suspicious. Oh, you can't even see in here. He holds up the torch. What would a bird be doing in here on a blizzarding night? That's a good question, I think, but in the meantime, let me say a rite of burial around this place, and then let's get out of here. I'll, I'll gather up the bones while you do. Take care of them, please. You may choose while you're doing your prayer. You can decline to roll a perception check if you don't feel like you would be paying attention. To what Cornelius is doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will decline. All right. So just as you're finishing up your prayer, then he, he comes up with, you know, a bundle wrapped up in, you know, old cloth and stuff. And he's like, I've uh, gathered the remains. All right. Huh. Let's get head back. Right. We've uh, stamped out a blight on this town. I'm sure they'll be very grateful. Well, hopefully. Let's see. Check the other side to see if it has a trap, and we can break all of those as we leave. I don't think this sh trap should be here. It's going to hurt someone. Good thinking, yes. Now that it's no longer home to a dangerous monster like that... Uh, Perhaps uh, scholars could learn something from what they find in here. Maybe. 
Maybe when we get back, we can swing by the library and Joel and see what these things are. What these people were. Maybe. And as you make your way out of the crypt, there is indeed a trap. And now that you're watching for it, it's of the same design and it's easy to find and dismantle. I karate chopped the rope. And then I'm also a monk. You cut it. <laughs> All right. A little song, Cornelius, for the way. Oh, we killed a monster in a barrel. We won. She starts drumming along with it and kind of keeps it going in a joyful kind of continuing the jokey tone with it. I've run out of lyrics. You better take over. Cornelia sat in the back with a torch oh so bright. But he didn't do too much. Close his legs. What are so tight? I didn't stretch, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And as the two of you (laughs) sing your little song, and bicker your way out of the crypt. You come back outside into the blizzardy night. And I imagine you probably head back to the tavern and turn in your quest. Yes. Sten, the tavern keep, is appropriately grateful and actually pays you an extra gold piece for getting it done in such a quick and respectful manner. So you've award- you've earned yourself eight gold pieces. Ha. Huh. So while she's talking to him, she, like, slides three of the gold back. It's like, don't worry, you can just go ahead and keep that. Well, the original job was to pay five. This this extra three is for taking on a task that no one else had the guts to do, lass. I don't need the extra. I think you could probably use it more than me. He looks down at the bundle, looks back at you and is like, I'll give him a right good headstone. That sounds good. Sounds good. I'm could I get a to-go drink? Do you do that here? I, I I don't really have any disposable glasses, but... Do you have rooms here? Maybe that's easier. Ah, of course I've got rooms. I'll I... take a drink with me outside. All right. Is that all right? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is really weird. Can I take a drink with me and then step outside, but then bring it back? I mean, as long as you bring the glass back. I do need it. Okay, thank you. I'll take a drink, please. Uh, What do you want? A fuffle shuffle? Of course. It's the most popular drink in these parts. Yeah, yes, he's a big fan. He mixes up a fuffle shuffle and hands it to you. Thank you, thank you. Um, how much is it for a room? For you, lass. After what you've done for me tonight, it's on the house. I appreciate it. appreciate it. Um, and say... Is that stage over there good for some music? Of course. It's it's a bit late, but there are still a few patrons up. Lovely. I'm a bit of scold in these parts, so I can maybe help liven the place up. Of course. Of course, it would feel good. Yes. All right. I'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you. All right. And he watches as you take your drink and walk she, out like, into the blizzard. She awkwardly waves. <laughs> she leaves. Cornelius! He pokes his head back up out of the woodpile. Mm? Got the drink for you. Oh, that'll help me keep warm. Here's the five gold. You don't want to keep any of it? I thought you needed it. I need some of it, but what about you? Well, I don't know. I don't usually think about that. I guess I could keep some of it. I mean, you earned it. It's true. I thought you needed it for something. I mean, I need some of it. Okay. Um, How much do you need? Uh, Three. All right, here's three. I'll take the two. 
All in a day's work. <laughs> yes, another day, another step closer to figuring out the destiny, right? Right. Uh, you know... Well, you go first there, Cornelius. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you did really well tonight. Um, this is definitely the most dangerous quest that you've been on, and... I mean, you handled it with flying colors. I, I, there wasn't even anything I could have done to assist you. Yes, I feel so blessed by the gods for this. I feel closer to them as I've ever felt before. I feel like this is the right step for me. Like, like what I need to do is going to be revealed to me. That Shaylin has something. But, on the other hand, I'm a little cautious that Phrasma might have more for me, and I... I feel closer to her, but I don't... I don't know if that's a good thing or not yet. Well, he takes the drink, takes a sip. I think it might be time that we move on to the first step of your destiny. The first step? I thought this was the first step. Uh, this was more like the training wheels. The train? We've been on the training wheels this whole time? I mean, hey, you lived a really sheltered life before you met me. Uh, that's true. It's true, I guess. Um, that should work. Yeah, I got a, us a room for the night um, so we can stay here. That's a lot warmer than this wood pile. I think so. I can. You can come in my pack and we can go over there. I can take you upstairs. Or I can open a window for you if you'd prefer. Hmm. He looks in through the window at the first floor. I'll climb up to the second story. All right, then. I'll open. The, I'll get up in there and open the window for you. Um, then I'm going to head down and play some music, I think. Right. Yes. Yes. Get a little bit of uh, uh, some recreation in. I think so. Yep. I've got to keep my... um. I've got to keep my instruments... Um, in tip-top shape? Well, yeah, but more of my uh, ability to do so, you know? Uh, tuned up? <laughs> no, Cornelius... <laughs> Like my hands, I've got to keep practicing and um, getting better. I, sorry. Anyway, I'll go inside now. All right. So she steps in. She's heading upstairs, and while she's going, she's just thinking about the draws that she's had to Phrasma. Because when she was young, she chose. She was raised as a Shailenite. She was raised to worship Shailen. But it wasn't until recently that it felt like Phrasma started moving into her life, kind of forcibly almost, because she started to notice the special thing she has, like being able to see in the dark. And like as she does that stuff, she feels Phrasma's pull there, like like Phrasma's there, giving her these abilities maybe, but she's not really sure. It doesn't feel like that's quite what's happening. So she's kind of thinking about this too, and is thinking about the glaive too, and how different and right it felt to use it, and the the whole crackle thing, the little blots floating around, which seemed new to her, and that's just she's she's kind of playing all of that in her head, and she's a little scared because she doesn't really want to accept the Phrasma part of everything because it's not what she wanted and it feels like it's something 
thrust upon her that she doesn't want, but feels like it's part of her now that she's not at terms with. So she's worried that it's something worse than just being a champion with Phrasma more than it was with Shaylin. And then she gets in there, throws her helmet off, starts taking off her armor to more just like her civvies. <laughs> more bardic looking outfit, a more scald design to her clothing as she opens up the door, the window. And Cornelius is just like hanging off the windowsill and he's like, it took you a little longer than I was expecting. You must uh, be deep in thought. Oh, well, that I am. That's right. I didn't think it really took me that much longer. I think maybe you were a little gung-ho about getting inside. I'm cold. I noticed she starts, like, grabbing his fingers and peeling them off of the window <laughs> at the ledge. Come here. Come on inside. Where it's warm. Just, I've already got the fire going. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. He's sitting by the fire and kind of warming himself up. Do you know, Cornelius, do you know much about Phrasma? I know some legends say that she's the oldest of all of the gods, that she predates essentially this iteration of reality. I can't speak to that. <laughs> I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's the... The goddess of moving on, the afterlife, and why are you feeling more of a, a pull towards her? I think so. I think that raven might have been involved somehow, and this glaive, it makes me feel more at attuned. Does that make sense to you? He nods slowly, and he's like, Have you ever thought that maybe, maybe your mission in life was to help Phrasma with those who don't want to move on. Maybe. Maybe that's it. I mean, I did just do that. Maybe. I think. And I, this Phrasma thing, this connection I have with her, I almost feel it like it's in my blood. You know? Especially when I grab that glaive. It feels like it's a part of me. Like all this is a part of me since I was a wee little lass. I don't know. I, I've never felt it before this strongly, and it makes me question everything in my life, actually. It's, it's like it's not just happening to me now, but it, it's like it's spreading across time. Like, it happened to me before, you know? Do you understand what I'm saying when I say it like that? I can't say that I understand completely, because it's been a long time since I've found my destiny, but child... I think tonight you've begun to get the first glimpse of what you're meant to do. Maybe. Maybe that raven will come back. That would be great, actually. It might help. I really don't think, and while he's talking, in the window that's still open, a raven flutters up and just lands on the window, so... There it is! Why? Oh. That's... unexpected. And he seems, like, surprised, but also relieved. She puts her arm out like she's going to kind of like pet its head. And it accepts the petting without like any hesitation. You seem like you're a part of this too. Like a part of me. The raven kind of bobs its head a couple times and then hops, hops and flutters up onto your shoulder. Oh, I've always seen, I've always been so impressed with 
falconers doing this sort of stuff. Yes. Cornelius looks really confused. <laughs> He's like, that's apparently one of your talents. <laughs> she looks just enthused and she's just like, what are you? Where did you come from? Maybe it's from Verasma. Maybe. It's true. Could be. I don't know. Could be either of them. Shaylin does like birds. <laughs> could be. It could be from both. Maybe the two of them together are guiding your future. Well, maybe. Makes sense to me. But it makes me a little worried as to what my future is. My past was so bad. I well, I guess it wasn't so bad. There were a lot of good parts about my past, Cornelius. But I left all of that. You left a life that was dictated you by someone else. And now you are taking your own destiny by the horns. How could that be any better? I, I don't know. I... I miss my dad. Not my father. No, not not Hamir. But I miss my dad. Um, I never named him. <laughs> Farron. He, he raised me. And, well. Am I going to get to see him again, Cornelius? I, I can't say that I know that. Maybe someday. Right, yeah, someday. Someday. Alright, I got some thinking to do. Um, I think best when I'm playing my drums. Uh, I'm gonna head down, play some music, keep the bird company. Uh, Don't eat it. Oh, okay. And he looks like really uncomfortable <laughs> about being left alone with the bird. I mean, I don't imagine they'd let the bird come with me. Uh, probably not. Not until you can, you know, maybe have a better control over it. Make sure to close the window. Oh, yes. And he like, jumps up and closes the window. <laughs> I can't let all the warm air out. And uh, she looks to the fire that's going and then heads downstairs with her drums to get a playing and singing. And as you leave, the camera stays behind. And Cornelius just kind of watches the door for a while and listens until he no longer hears your footfalls. He looks over at the bird, and he's like, and you keep your little beak to yourself. He reaches into the folds of his robe and pulls out that ornate gauntlet and goes, this is what I needed. This has been an Atomic Broadcasting production. Pathfinder, Galarian, and the Lost Omens world setting are copyright of Paizo. More information at paizo.com. Music in the show is from Monument Studios Collection, as well as assorted artists with some original tracks composed by Jordy Hake. More details in the description. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to share with a friend, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next time. Get out of me gold! Right before recording started. <laughs> that was almost how it began. I'm screwing you, you big duck. And I'm getting in my gold for an afternoon dip.